are listening to Going Direct, presented by Cal Fire Local 2881, a podcast for the Cal Fire family. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Going Direct. I'm Kelly Boyles, the Communications Director for Cal Fire Local 2881, and I am so excited for today's episode. This is episode one of two of a podcast takeover. We have two chapter directors, Jordan Moda and Sean Edwards, who are here interviewing President Edwards. Be sure to tune into the next episode as well to get the full conversation. We hope you enjoy. Okay. The tables have turned. That's right. Tim, I hope you're ready. You're in the hot seat, buddy. Go for it. All right. Well, for those of you listening, my name is Jordan Moda. I'm the chapter director from San Mateo Santa Cruz chapter. Across the table from me is... Sean Edwards. I'm the chapter director of San Benito Monterey. I've been a chapter director for about seven years now, seven glorious years that I'll never get back. I've been with the department 10 years, and today, boys, I am officially a fire captain. Hey, attaboy. Yeah, 02350, here I come. So (laughs) definitely a different thing. How long have you been with the department now, Jordan? Uh, I started permanently uh, in 2010 down in the Riverside unit. I worked as a firefighter two paramedic. Uh, I was LT for only nine months and lucky to get picked up perm off the same list out of rank eight. Ah. So they knew what they were getting when they picked me up out of rank I think eight. I, was, I think I was rank eight back in the day. Too. <laughs> that was pretty good. So I started down there, did uh, just shy of three years in uh, Old Battalion 6, ah. uh, Coachella, Mecca, Thermal, that area out by the yeah. Salton Sea. Uh, was lucky enough to get promoted up close to home. Went to Thunder Valley Casino in NEU ah. uh, as an LT engineer. Did a year there, a year to the day exactly. And then uh, permed up over in CZU, and I've been there ever since. Uh, started in 2013 in CZU. Right on. Yep. That's a long time. Yeah. How long have you been the chapter director now? I've only been the chapter director for about three years now. I was just uh, one of our deputy chapter directors, I think is the term we use. Yes. uh, For the North Division. Alternate chapter director. In some places, yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, we use use deputy chapter director. Bylaws. (laughs) Bylaws. It is. It's all bylaws. Well, listen, I don't want to talk about you. I want to talk about this guy right here. (laughs) He's not my father. Although we share the same last name. I don't know my father, actually. No, that's, that's a lie. No. What's your mom's name? No, just kidding. Yes. It's, I, actually, I should have taken my wife's name, but that's a completely different story. Uh, so, Tim Edwards, thanks for having us here. You know, we've been, uh, me and this guy have been friends for a long time, longer than he's been a chapter director. And we came up with this idea, I don't know, year maybe-ish or something like that. Yeah, about the birth of the podcast. Yeah, then. something like that. And uh, so we thought that we wanted to come over. But one thing, you know, you always interview people. Well, we wanted to interview you. I don't really know. I, I know a little bit about you. I know that you like a particular football team that I don't really care for, <laughs> or whatever it is, what it is. Um, but, yeah, I want to know, you know, how long you've been with the department, how long you have actually been a union officer, and what, how did you start as a union officer? Well, I started as a seasonal with the department in 94, but I joined a paid call with the department when we had San Bernardino County at the time. Ah. And um, I learned about Cal Fire when I was going through my fire science classes at Mount Sac when they actually came out and recruited. But at the time they were recruiting women. That was the big push in 91, 92. Um, But that's when I first even heard what at the time CDF was. You know, I, I grew up in Long Beach and Inglewood and in the city areas and didn't know anything about CDF until I learned about them at the college. So one of the captains actually had, in the fire science program, worked for CAL FIRE, CDF at the time. And I got interested from there and 
became a paid call in San Bernardino County out of DeVore and then worked for the feds for a year after that. Oh, so you left the department <clears throat> to work for the feds? Well, I wasn't a seasonal at the time. I was a paid call. Oh, I see. I got you. On, got you. That, on that side and went and my first seasonal job was with the feds in the Cajon District. Nice. And then the following year in 94, I got picked up in Tulare as a seasonal. Good Lord. <clears throat> when, and where were you living at that time? In uh, Laverne, California. So oh, it was okay. a four-hour commute to Tulare. Yeah. Um, well, I guess that's pretty much the average commute now. Yeah. Three hours for San Diego Monterey is the average commute for us. Um, so you got picked up with the department exactly what year? 1994. In 94, you were permanent then? I was seasonal. Seasonal then. And for how many years? I, and then I did one season in Tulare and then went to, back to San Bernardino as a seasonal. Worked from 94 to 99 as a seasonal and then got picked up as an LT2 in Riverside. And that's where you were until you became union up yeah, here in Alaska. Riverside, yeah. So what chapter or what district offices did you hold <laughs> then there? Uh, I was the deputy district VP at the time, okay. and Rick uh, Kennedy was the district VP. And I got involved on in the union back in Purdue when mm -hmm. we were losing the contract. And Ooh, Ouch. That's yeah. a good time to get involved. Well, at the station I worked at, everybody remembers the nickel. We would get the nickel all the time because we ran Schedule A calls. Yeah. And losing the contract, you know, it would affect that. So Ray Snodgrass, one of our past presidents, was a battalion chief there at the time and also a union officer who basically – when I started bitching and moaning about it, told me, shut your mouth and get involved or sit back and let it happen. And I started getting involved at that point in time. I yeah. feel like that's a real motivation for a lot of our officers is we tend to bitch the loudest. Yeah. And uh, the other union officers recognize that and say, well, you want to get involved or you just want to sit there and complain? And that's kind of how a lot of us get involved, I think. Yeah. I grew up, my father was a chapter, uh, I'm sorry, a union officer my entire life. So he was on the building trade side. So plumbers, pipe fitters, refrigeration. He was the past president of the Southern California pipe trade. So growing up union house, that's all I really knew. I got into the fire service. I didn't really understand, you know, where it all kind of was. But at the time, Julie Freeman was my chapter director. And, you know, she was awesome. You know, God rest her soul. You know, she succumbed to her injuries of cancer. And in that time period when she was ill is when I was just a little non-journey level of engineer on Jack yeah. and saying, well, all right, might as well get involved. And so that's where I've been for the last seven years. And it's been a hell of a ride. Um, so you were down in Riverside as, and then your, your last permanent classification was before I came to this position, yeah, firefighter two, firefighter two. But then you were the rank and file director for how many terms? Uh, six years. I was in my sixth year as rank and file before I took over as president. Six years as the rank and file director, and that's the number two guy. So that's the permanent release time. Like you're always off, paid for. How does that work? How do you get paid? How how does that all work? Can you explain that to us? The full release time. What's your e pay look like? Yeah, <laughs> my my mine, actually my e pay is basically my base salary in Edwin. That's all we get. And we're paid by the state of California. Um, Full-time release, so it doesn't use any of the release time bank at all. It's agreed upon that our two would just be full-time employees. We're assigned to labor relations in Sacramento. That's where our positions are coded out of. Um, and so that's what, we're, that's what we do. But we don't get any overtime. We're not allowed to earn any overtime. Wow. So we just get our base salary and our base EDWIC. And so to be clear, you're paid by the state out of the state's pocket, not out of 2881 union dollars. That's correct. Okay, perfect. So, so 
you've been around for a while. You've seen some changes. You said you got involved uh, starting in the late 1900s, I believe. Uh, in the last in the last 30 years or so, what are some of the biggest changes you've seen in our organization being 2881? And where's the direction you see 2881 going in the next three, five, ten years? Uh, well, you know, I, I started when it was the four-day shift. You know, a lot of people were five, but I was four. So the big change was going to a three-day shift and a 72-hour work week. And then our EDWIC was huge in 2001, 2002, when we started that contract to actually get full time and a half or anything over 56. And that came shortly after the name change, which I think was beneficial mm -hmm. to highlight who we are, you know. Um, and at the time when I was working in the city of Indio, Bob Wolf was actually my captain. And I, a little side note is I worked with Bob Wolf on his last official day on the engine before <laughs> he became our president. Oh, wow, that's awesome. And, and Bob was actually... Um, a big violator of the contract, believe it or not, oh, as a captain. <laughs> you don't say. Go on. <laughs> but, you know, I like I said, my road here is I've been led by past presidents and future presidents to get me to where I'm at today. But um, then I saw the changing of, you know, the last few contracts where we went from a 56 to a 53, and now we're working on changing our, our work week. You know, 56-hour clock. Yes, not work week. We're working on that, but the clock, and that's something that's always interesting too. A lot of folks don't realize that and how the Edwick is actually 19 hours, but you say we're on 56, but it's 53. This stuff can get very confusing. Yes. Well, now it's, it's, it should be a little bit cleaner because we had multiple different formulas. You had the BCs that didn't get any overtime. Yeah. You had the seasonals that they really didn't get anything. They were, they were 72, 72 hours. Exactly. Then you had the 84 hour BCs. So and one of the big moves we did was put everybody on the same clock. Yeah. Was the huge. same huge. same clock, a 56. And then, as you guys know, in our last little pay cut that we had to take, we had to do some maneuvering where it wasn't that big of a cut. So then we put overtime anything over 53, mm -hmm. you know. And so that created more of a overtime bump for everybody, too. So where are we at with that pay cut that you discussed? Is everything back to where it should be? The year's expired. That's gone. The side letter's expired. So we're still at a 53-hour clock. Has all pay been restored, to your knowledge? As far as I know, all the pay has been restored because it's been two years now. Right. And then everybody should have got, you know, close to a 5% bump by now also on top of that. Okay. All right. And our one-year extension that we did. Excellent. Well, he, he didn't quite finish your question, though, because you wanted to know, like, the last 30 years about where it's going. But before you, I, I, I'd like to ask before you've gone to, you know, where you want it to go, I'd like to know what in these years that you've been up here in Sacramento, what are some of your most proudest moments or accomplishments, however you would like to say that? <laughs> well, I think, I think there's a few that um, I don't want to take sole credit for them because. Uh, and you shouldn't. No, yeah, no we, way. You know, we do them together, right? It, but I think, I think you know, the, the changing of the, the overtime clock for everybody was huge, um, especially for the firefighter ones. I think the, um, the pay increases, whether some people believe it was enough or not, is, is an opinion. I, I will never say we can make enough money, but it was huge in our last really big contract what we were able to achieve. Um, geez, there's just so much stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's hard to go back and remember yeah. everything, you know. The... The EIDL change, you know, and hopefully now within the next couple of weeks we'll have 4,800, but the change of language of EIDL, so it wasn't just incident-related, was huge too, you know. Who would, That was Senator uh, Dodd, the, the senator that, that did that, right? He was the, the legislation that brought that in. Was? Uh, 
were asking. I can't remember exactly. We're going to cut that out. Don't worry about that. We'll cut it's, a, it, it's okay. <laughs> but, you know, um, yeah, you know, we had to push that through because we were being denied 4,800. Yeah. And what, you know, when I was the rank and file director, I heard very loud and clear that the members did not want to take a cut in pay when they were injured, whether it was on an incident or not. So we achieved that, you know, yeah, that was, that was a huge to achieve that. And now hopefully we'll achieve 4,800 which really an only difference is instead of your net, it's your gross, right? That you'll take home. So it's a little bit more. So those might be some of the, you know, the, the good things that are on paper, but like, is there ever, cause you're up here all the time. We were just at lunch. Your phone was going off the whole time almost. Is there ever any like daily, like something recently, like a daily win? Like, yeah, hell yeah, I got that one or something. I don't know. Something <laughs> like that. Talking to legislators all the time. I don't know. Uh, well, I think this last budget was a huge win for us. Yeah. Whether people want to see it or not is a win. 486 more permanent people and an additional 17 more Firefighter 1 crews is huge. Yeah. The introduction of Firefighter 1 crews as a whole is a, is a game changer for CAL FIRE, you know. Um, I don't, I, I'm one that I don't believe in wins until it's on paper yeah. and it's done. Yeah. And uh, those are those are ones that have been inked in the last few weeks, and that took a lot of work. You know, some of you guys were here when we were doing it with McGuire. Yeah. Um, but the behind the scenes that goes on to make that happen is really the daily grind of the presidency. You yeah. Know, who I'm talking to over there at the big crazy White House. Yeah, I'm sure it's a big crazy White House over there. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. Um. So with the uh, with the addition of the 486 personnel, we're obviously going to have larger districts, larger chapters. Do you see the organization of 2881 changing? Are we going to add districts? Are we going to add officers? Or is just the number of membership going to go up, do you think? Well, I think within the chapters and districts, you'll have to add a few more officers. I don't see districts changing. But as an organization, our full-time staff here in the office will have to grow. It will absolutely have to grow. We'll have to look at our legal department because now that we, a big achievement was get our firefighter ones under the Firefighter Bill of Rights was huge that's going to create a workload on our in-house attorney and our, and our paralegal so that will have to grow our membership coordinator shop which only holds one will have to grow because of a lot of intakes there and of course our finance which is probably the biggest and most important thing to keep our eye on we'll have to look at changing positions so i don't see districts expanding other than local officers, of course. And then our convention will be a lot bigger because one for 50, you know, so we'll right. have to look at bigger places. But as full-time staff in this office, we will have to look to expand. We are developing a business plan to do that. So so kind of dovetailing off of that as we, as we gather more members and more, more employees of CAL FIRE, um, can you suggest or think of any ways to keep members engaged or suggest that members get involved with that's always a, a tough question because, you know, everybody's the same. They all want to see results. And what I like to tell people is, you know, I, I've said this before, is there's probably 220 union officers today. Out of 220, not as many are as active that need to be active. Yeah. And we have currently 7,200 people. And so those active union officers are the ones trying to create change within our districts and chapters and city contracts and county contracts. So members that want to have a shorter work week or not want to be forced on as much have to get involved to assist us in those daily grinds back out with city council members and board of supervisors. So how do you engage people 
when they've been working so many hours. Right. And I think that's the hardest part right now. Right. Right? They, they don't want to do any more hours. Yeah. They're already working so much. So, but at the end of the day, that's what's going to, ha- that's what it's going to take to make things happen. Cause people like to say, well, we may need more full-time release officers. I can tell you for a fact that will not happen in the current environment in the state. They're trying to do away even with my position and CHP's position. Really? Um, yeah. They, they feel it's, it's a, it's a waste of state, you know, personnel to be doing it. And there's not too many bargaining units in the state of California that, that actually has full-time release officers today. That's why a lot of unions that are up at this level level actually pay their union presidents. Like SEIU president gets like $210,000 a year to be their president, Yeah, you know, but he's not released. So he just takes, just becomes their president. Basically. Yeah. I mean, hey, yeah. steps away from state service. Now. Yeah. Well, you want wow. the best you got to pay. I mean, yeah, it's a matter of the fact. Right. So, it's going to take membership involvement, and I think the best way is to, as we create change and as good things happen, I think it brings more people into the fold of what's going on. Unfortunately, at the state level, it's slow. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you know, being a chapter director for seven years, I have had five different unit chiefs. I, don't, I couldn't even begin to count how many, you know, administrative, you know, chiefs, AOs, you know, division chiefs or whatnot, management. It's been difficult, you know, and it's not just the involvement that I need from officers or our members, you know, stepping up. It's also, you know, the the new management coming in. You know, I, I am actually proud to say that uh, my unit chief was actually your campaign manager for your uh, yep. bout for the rank and file director, George Nunez. Uh, and, you know, I, I'm looking forward to it. But, you know, again, George is, you know, the, the fifth unit chief and it takes so much work. And, and sometimes I find myself. You know, I've been the chapter director for seven years, so I've been conversing with different fire districts, you know, supervisors, you know, having a lot of these conversations for a long time. Then a, a new promotion comes in, a division chief or whatever, and then they feel like all of a sudden I'm pissing in their newly found territory. And look, no offense. It just it is what it is. Thank you. I appreciate you being here. Welcome to the conversation. Let's get together and let's move on together. Cal Fire is a big ass machine. And if we're going to be running on all cylinders, labor is one of them. And I just... It, I, I, I'm beside myself of the naysayers and the management, some that think uh, we are threatening or we're trying to, you know, to, to you know, block all progression or, or whatever. And it's just, it's sad because it's really like a conquer and divide kind of feel that I get. And, uh, you know, I mean, like the schedule that we're on right now, you know, most of our, uh, my guys back at home are, you know, on a 5-2. And what I hear a lot, well, you know, we got a lot of guys on out on F- FMLA, and if people just showed up to work, like, dude, no, I don't. There's no relief shift right now. That's the problem. Yeah. And so, you know, union participation. It's one thing. Yeah, we need officers, but also like managers. You know, if if you're out there, I don't know if I'm putting a target on my back or not, but you know, we're here to help. Trust me. I uh, me. I don't know. There's some. Uh, you know, there's some chapter directors, and I'm sure you know, go all out and just, you know, really hit it hard, uh, hard from the yard, if you will. But that's not me, you know, because I've pounded my fist on the table before and that has gotten me nothing but targets on my back. And at the end of the day, I still work for these people. You know, you're, I, I feel like your position is pretty lucky. At the end of the day, the guys that I'm arguing with or against or whatever, they're my boss. That is incredibly difficult, especially for most of the time that I've been a chapter director, a non-journeyed engineer. T- you know, it was, it was tough. 
And um, I still got about 15 years to go or so in my career, depending on how you look at it. Um, so it's tough. Jordan, I know you've had those issues. Yeah. So in, in, in the past, I've been exactly where you are, where I have managers who simply won't talk to us unless it's in a formal meeting setting. They won't answer a phone call. They won't even reply to an email until I get state level officers like Tim or Pete Bachter involved. And now we have a new unit chief came from your unit, yeah. uh, Chief Chief Nate Armstrong. Yeah. It's like there's rainbows, there's birds singing. It's like <laughs> oh man, I hope he's not going to listen to this. You're going <laughs> to it's 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 the best working relationship I've had with management and Cal Fire being a labor representative. Yeah, Nate's attentive. He'll take my call. I take his calls. I mean, the guy was just in Mexico, and as he was getting packing his bag, he was giving me a call because we had issues to work out yeah. before he left, and he was taking the time to hammer those out. I mean, it's it, there, there's two sides to everything, and working with great management, I think, really helps us do our job. Yeah. And we're there to make the department's job easier. Like, there's been times where I'll bring something up and say, hey, I don't know if that's exactly the right way to go about this, and Nate kind of owns it and says, you know what, I think you're right. And we'll work together to come to, to an agreement to make whatever decision needs to be made happen in a way that makes labor and the department satisfied with the with the outcome. Yeah. So working together with management, I think, is the most beneficial thing we do at the chapter director level um, is just at, at our kind of low level. We're not way up where Tim and Peter are, you know, dealing with the crazy White House and the, the administration over there. Um we're kind of at, at the home level working with our bosses directly. Boots on the ground, in the trenches, man. Yep. It's rough. You yep. know, uh, part of that, too, is we have this little text group amongst ourselves, chapter directors, and that's kind of what really, you know, made us want to kind of come to this. You know, we have a lot of chapter directors in this, this text group, and we're just pushing stuff all, almost all day long sometimes. Just, hey, what do you guys got going on? What do you guys got going on? And it seems like we're all, we've all fought the same battles over different time. And it just makes me think, like, shouldn't I, is there something like I don't know? Is there like a relation with labor or labor relations office? Is there something? Is there like an that? office is like there, that? Is, <laughs> is there something that should be handling this, or how does that work? Because it really twenty one units, twenty one completely different. There's no one like little oversight or anything. Is there anything like that? I think there is. Is there? I think there should so. be. Oh, okay. There should be. Uh, the, pro right. the problem is that you know we we've had these twenty one different kingdoms. And I think what people need to um, kind of think is for 10 to 11 years, we had a strong anti-union leadership. And I'll just say it, and that's a fact. Um, the number one and number two did not believe in working with the union to achieve things. Um, and then unlike, well, like most things, change takes a little slower, but with you know, the, the last director and the current ad, current director, the, cha the times are changing. They're not so anti-union, and they're starting to understand that labor can say what they can't. You know, I think what people yeah. people need to really understand is we have to work together. Is the department has to take a certain position because they are state employees. They are mandated by the state on certain things, CalHR and the administration, especially the director of what they can and cannot say. But that's fine. That's why you have a union. The only thing that we ask is that, okay, when we say it, don't deny it, you know, let us say it, but don't sit there and openly deny it. And in the past, that's what the, what the biggest issue was. We would say something and they would openly deny it. You know, like that's not true. Staffing levels, no, we're fine. And, and, and that's, that's not happening so much now. Right. But yeah. I want people to understand that it's a, it's, it's a fine dance up here because the director, Joe Tyler is is appointed by the governor of California. Yeah. 
and he has to tote a certain line. He's appointed, you know, but in order for him and I to work together and make things happen, he's got to understand that that's where I come in. Yeah. Have you met you with know. Chief Tyler since he's been appointed? I have twice. How's your relationship with him? Uh, it's building, you know. Um, I won't make no bones about it. You know, I had some concerns with, you know, our, our director going in after Porter left. But I think he's come in with at least and showing some where he actually is going to try to put the members and his firefighters ahead. Excellent. And well, I just hope that trickles ask. down. Yeah. I hope that trickles down to yeah. the unit level. Well, because I hear a lot of things and I hear, oh, man, that sounds great. But then it never really gets down. And the message implement. doesn't get. Yeah. Well, I think that's where we're going in the field. Everybody's starting. You're getting these younger guys promoting into these positions. And first and foremost, I hope they don't forget where yeah. they come from. A lot of these people that are promoting have been union officers. Sometimes in the past, that has been our worst nightmare because they think they know everything. I've had that. But a lot of the ones that I see promoting today have been strong union officers advocating for the members, and I believe they will continue it. But we still have some old school people out there. And until they actually decide to retire and let the younger mentality come up into it, um, you'll still face some of those issues um, at the local level, unfortunately. But like you said, I think you have a strong chief. I think um, I don't really know yours, but there's there's a couple coming up. There's some movements going on yeah. where I think the mentality is going to change. We just have to have a strong leader and a director to do exactly what you said, give clear direction and trickle it down that, you know, the employees have to be thought of as people, not just a number. Oh man. I hate that. You know, so many, you know, number on the list or meet in the seat. I freaking hate that term because it's, it, it just shows that, okay, you really don't care what I can bring to the table. You, anybody, whatever, just meet in the seat. Although sometimes it feels like also I freaking need his meet in the seat. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> I don't care who walks in the door as long as I ever leave. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> No, you know, and that's, so I, I started out, so today, actually, officially, I am, so, well, I haven't checked ePay. I need to check ePay. Nothing, <laughs> nothing is official until it's on ePay and like a work period's worth. But yeah. I am now finally on the 02350 side, and I've, I was hired as a medic. I've always been, I've been, a, you know, this is my 20th year actually in like EMS and business, uh, in, in that business and all that stuff. And um, it's, it's just, uh, it's been a wild ride. But now the 02350, I really see all the work that you guys are doing up up here is directly 02350, you know, and I, I've had managers in the past, like, Hey, we got to meet the mission. You know, we got, we're going to support the mission. I'm like, bro, it's December. You're talking to a, a crowd of schedule. A. what are you talking about? Meet the mission. And it's just, it's difficult with that. No relief. You know, I know we're shooting towards the 3.11 and this 486 permanent personnel. That's all state. That's all 02350. So now I'm here. So I guess, you know, I'll report back, but I know where I'm going. My station is just me and another captain. There is no relief. I mean, it's kind of built into the the division, but then we got guys failing out from, you know, not doing a proper lane change on a type one at the academy or, you know, not progressing the hose lay perfectly enough in the building, you know, in the FFA. Uh, It's just the hiring. It's just, it's very difficult um, at best. And that relief shift, where is it? I don't see it. My guys are on a 5-2 easily. Right. Yeah, it's it's, it's the same in CZU. We're seeing... uh multiple forces, not just one a week, sometimes two, three, or your four straight through. Um, well, we stopped that. We, we cap it at 48. That was the one good thing. Well, how did, how, how did you accomplish that if there's no body? And you they shut just, something down? Well, they, they go out to the, basically, you go out of the division at that time. Oh, but, okay. but it's A, it's Schedule A and Schedule B that might be getting forced on that Schedule A ride. 
right. and vice versa. Well, it's all one patch. Well, yeah, right. depending on what day of the week it is and right. what mission you're talking about. But right. yeah, supposedly it's all one patch. Right. Um, so kind of kind of dovetailing off of that is uh, I've had a couple of my members, and I figured I'd wait until I was here with you, Tim, to talk about it. Uh, ask me about section 17.1.5.1. Tim, you know what that is, right? Just by the number. <laughs> all right, hold on, hold on. I got the, I got the, blue, I got the blue book out here. That's, that's, that's under Article 17 Salaries. And it's uh, uh, what what 17.1.5.1, mouthful, says, uh, at the discretion of the appointing power and in any conformance with section 599.68.9.2, an employee may receive supplemental salary adjustment of 1, 2, or 3% per fiscal year for reasons including, but not limited to, outstanding job performance. Well, we all do our jobs. Thank you. Uh, increased responsibility. Well, if you're an engineer working where a captain should be, I'd call that increased responsibility. Single engine staffing. Hey, there's a memo for that. Go ahead. Or unusual recruitment and retention problems. That's the argument that a lot of people are are bringing up to me is we're facing unusual recruitment and retention problems. We saw, I don't know how many hundreds of our permanent members leave state service to go to local government departments uh, over the last year. I can think of in my small unit, at least 10 or 12 and I text you every time and say, Hey, I have another permanent fire captain leaving to go be a recruit fireman for Palo Alto or wherever they're going. Just so you're aware of how many people are leaving and, and they all state the same reason that it's, it's the hours worked and the schedule. Um, do but, they, do they though in the actual exit interview? Cause I've heard, you know, people that, that exit interview, whatever that is, I've never exited. So I haven't had this interview, but you know, they say one thing, but what are they actually well, writing as a, down? As a, as a chapter officer, I try to make contact with these people yeah. as I hear that they're leaving or that they've just left and say, hey, why, why, why did you leave or why are you leaving? And that's the number one answer I get is it's the hours worked and the schedule. You know, it's time away from my family. That's, that's what's important to me. Um, so in this time of, of unusual recruitment and retention, people think that they should be able, we should be pushing for this one, two or three percent salary adjustment. What are your thoughts on that, Tim? Well, that that section is a government code that actually is no longer uh, valid. It was in our contract. It will probably not be in our contract at the end of this uh, negotiations because um, that government code went away when PEPRA was changed. So you're talking about the, it says, in conformance with Section 599.689.2, effective January 1st of 1999. That, that's the government code that you're talking about. Yeah. That then went away with PEPRA, which was 2020, uh, 2012. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what PEPRA did was take out any of those special salaries to be uh, counted toward retirement, right? Bastards. So we don't want to push pay that's not going to be counted toward retirement first and foremost. It has to be included in PEPRA. And what we have discovered based on just that section and other section is that you guys don't, I don't know if you know this or not, but CalPERS had an attorney review the PEPRA changes. And some of our other, um, I don't know if you call them bonuses or stipends, may not be percival under actual law. Well, so, so but there's only a handful. There's the medic retention. There's the hazmat. Captain B range. Educational. And, uh, and the uh, Spanish. Bilingual. Bilingual. Yeah. And little things like that may not be pensionable. So we have to get away from doing these 
stipends or, you know, different salary, things like that, and just include them in the salary to ensure that they're purposeable and part of your retirement. I got you. And I mean, all, 3%. Is 3% going to keep somebody here? Right. I mean, really? Really. <laughs> Probably well, not. The but, but 3% is 3%, you know. Well, call me an old fiscal conservative, but throwing money at a problem, I don't think is going to really fix it. <laughs> we got to go to the root of this, right? It's the long game. Right. Yeah. And that's exactly. why he's here. That's why you guys are up here trying to yeah. fight that long game at three, five, ten years ahead. Yeah. Um, that, yeah, that's all right. Well, I guess to be continued then. Yeah, yeah, that will be. Um, but the whole stipend process as a whole and special salaries will be looked at even more scrutinized over the next few years because of what they're discovering. It'd be nice to try to change Pepra back, but that's a whole nother story. Um, well, Pepra, Pepra back, 3% at 50. So what, Pepra, the whole pension and our public employees pre- pension reform act. Oh, nice. Way to pull that one out. Yeah. I was, I, I was grinding. I'm like, I, what Pepra stand I got for you. you got I it. am Pepra. I was hired at dude. So I was hired in December of 2012. I'm sorry. Well, it switched to three uh, to two seven uh, fifty seven two seven five and fifty seven January first two thousand thirteen. So they slid me right in. Oh, so you got, got the three. At 50. I got the three at fifty five. Oh, no, it was. A, oh, come on, man! It was a progression. You're see, you're a legacy guy, so you don't really yeah, care I'm, about I'm this. I'm three at fifty. Yeah, it's all good. But I'm but I'm 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 concerned every day about my two point seven to fifty seven guys, the brand new guys. Well, not only that, but eight, uh, so twenty five years to be eighty percent vested in medical. Now right. I, I now look, I'm not ignorant to this fact a single payer system or some sort of something like that medical insurance for California or something may. So all of this potentially will change that post-retirement medical aspect. I'm not ignorant to that. We don't know unless you know something, do you know something? Kelly, do you know? (laughs) All right. Nobody knows. Um, But I mean, that's going to be changed, but so 3% of 50. So, cause this is a priority coming out of convention year after year, year after year. I want to know how did 3% of 50, how did you, bastards even get this three percent at 50 <laughs> and how can we get it back if it's coming out of priority you know the union is a bottom-up organization we need you well uh, what is it? it is it realistic i mean i don't want to paint a, paint a grim picture here but i just want to know what the heck is up with it well i wasn't around when well i guess i was when three percent at 50 was well achieved. i mean you got three percent because well i started actually I, when i started it was um i think it was 2.5 at 55 Oh really? Yeah, yeah that sounds and right. then it went down to three at fifty. Then, then over or up. Yeah, up. and that as I was up. a seasonal, yeah. as when I was a seasonal, the union officers and at that time were able to achieve three percent at fifty for for us. Um, and then, it, of course, under Brown, it went backwards. What happened under Brown, and if you listen to this HP one, is he first off. He was 80-something years old running around the Capitol not doing our job, but he felt, you know, if he can be doing this, other people could be, right? Right. But he, the one thing he was smart about is he knew we couldn't negotiate for people that didn't work for us. So he wasn't changing. Uh, uh, what, what does that mean, though? I, I don't understand that because, I mean, I, I, and I listened to that podcast actually when, when I was, you know, kind of gearing up and game planning for, for this one, but I don't understand how, I mean, this whole contract can be for future generations. I don't understand how we can't negotiate for future retirement of our future generation coming up after us. PEPRA, just like health benefits, can be, you know, voted out by the politicians or by the public at any given will, right? Our contract is as good as it sits and stands at that moment in time. When PEPRA was changed, we were between contracts. 
So we were in contract negotiation. Yeah. And when Pepper Third. changes, yeah, wow. you can't, you, you have to then take that law into effect when you're doing your contract. Oh, he was a smart And law. so what we were able to argue was that's fine, but our current retirement system that the people that are currently working worked and got 3% and 50 under that contract. And so all the bargaining units had to fight that were 3% and 50 to keep our legacy um, people at least at 3% and 50. Um, and that was a hard, hard fight as it was because they wanted to change the whole thing. So we had no argument for future employees of the state okay. of California because they can choose whether to come work for our retirement system or not at that point in time. Everybody currently in our employee didn't have a choice. Okay. I got you. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, it, this it, is what you hired on. You hired on to get 3% at 50 or something. You know, mine was 2.5 at 55 and uh -huh. I got hired on, you know, and yeah. that's what my retirement was. Now, anybody coming into the system will have a choice whether to work under those conditions or not. And so as a union, remember, we're only able to argue the contract and current employees, not what's going to happen in the future. Okay. Well, that makes a lot more sense. So do you think 3% at 50 is possible? I don't know if 3% at 50 is possible. I, I know, and you guys were both at the CPF convention. There was a resolution to push everybody back to at least 3% at 55, which I want. Or, or 275 at 55, just bringing the, the age back. Yeah, or 3% at 55. Oh, okay. Yeah. And the reason why is because a lot of other smaller locals never had 3% at 50. They were 3% at 55. Like even LA County, one of the biggest one, everybody thought, ooh, big hoopla. They were only 3% at 55. Interesting. You know, so the cush would be everybody to get a medium, meet in the middle at 3% at 55, right? Well, that's bargaining, right? Meet in the middle. And and the reason why 3% at 50 came along, actually, then Aaron Reed, an associate, played a big part in that at the time because nobody wants – a 55, 60 year old firefighter trying to pull him out of a window. We don't have Nobody that. wants to be a 57 year old yeah. firefighter. Do you imagine so climbing that, up on these engines at 57 yeah. and doing a hose lay? Well, you know, unfortunately yeah. we have guys on the field right now that are in their 60s that don't help us. They're doing it more power to them, but we do have some people yeah. that are out there that are that old doing the job, them. you know, and I will say that I don't, I, I tout it as a good thing that if someone is able to do 30 plus years by the time they're 57, they don't have a cap on their retirement, but I don't see yeah. a lot of people reaching that. Unfortunately, no, no. that's why realistically, no, no, that's why you need to go back at 3% at 55, you know, and do it. So you were quoted in a little article. Oh yes. Yes. Sacramento B. Sac B baby. Yeah, man. Front page news. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. I saw, um, I don't, I don't have a membership to Sac B. So you sent me the link and uh -huh. I couldn't open it without paying $2 subscription uh -huh. and you know, I'm cheap. So I'm not going <laughs> to do work that. Cal Fire. <laughs> but I said, screenshot that and send it over to me. And I did. And I, did. And I thought it was pretty cool, Jordan. Uh, how did that come about and in getting interviewed for the SACB? And well, what was it about? What? So the title, California had to shell about $1.7 for overtime, but not all because its workers wanted it. Did right. you want that overtime? Uh, I didn't want all of it. I'll tell you that. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't mind having $1.7 but I don't want to work the time for that <laughs> money. Um, no, Tim uh, Tim hit me up uh, about a week ago and said, hey, I got a SAC B guy who wants to talk to someone in the field. He's, he's tired of hearing from me. He wants to talk to somebody in the field about their feelings about the overtime and the hours worked. And I said, oh, I'd be glad to do that, Tim, because I live in Sacramento. And he didn't know if the guy wanted to meet in person or whatever. But uh, I got a phone call, a uh, real nice guy, and I just told told. The truth, 
you know, I didn't, I didn't pull any punches, you know, the, the hours worked to pay satisfaction ratio goes down the more you work. I feel, um, if I'm at work for 30 days, yeah, the money's great, but I would pay anything to have a day off. When are you at work for 30 days? Uh, my mo- I, I told him in the article, the most recent time I was at work was for 30 days was back in 2018. Luckily now I have enough time to where I can space my vacations yeah. out so I can build in my own protection to get time off. Um, I try not to do more than, you know, six weeks at a time where I leave myself vulnerable, but, uh, I know that there's guys there and I, I told them all this too, that I, I know personally coworkers that have worked 40, 50 days. I worked with, I went up to the Dixie fire last year. I was only there for nine days. Thank God. I saw you there. Um, but I was working with a guy who had been on for 40 days. Was that by choice or was no, he- absolutely not. Oh, uh- was he overhead? Nope. He was he was on a type one engine. He was the firefighter one making the fourth body because we we augment our staffing. We add a fourth yeah, body the, the type one to make team. alpha strike team. And Jesus. he had been there. He had watched schedule A people rotate every three, four weeks or so, but he was just stuck in the rotation where there was nobody to relieve him. So he was O two three five oh on the type one, the alpha strike team. Yep. A firefighter one. Firefighter one. And just getting stuck. And just stuck because there was nobody back at the station to relieve him. You know, the, the way the shift rotations worked and everything. And do he was think, stuck. Do you think that's mismanagement at the unit level? I don't I don't blame mismanagement at the unit level. I blame it on hiring. Um, the fact that we just don't have enough bodies uh, to staff our equipment. You know, and when we pull out of the pool to augment staffing on the Schedule A, well, there's that leaves another hole. Yeah. So he somebody has to fill his seat on the Type 3 you know, on the, on the state ride. So it's just, we don't, we don't have a relief shift. We don't have enough bodies built in. That's, that's what it all boils down to is we don't have enough bodies to complete this mission. Yeah, no, the 2.67 or whatever the hell that means. 3.11. I know that's what we're shooting for or whatever, but I, like I was saying earlier, I don't have relief. Uh, It's just me and another captain. Maybe there's a relief or just overtime or whatever. Last year I was LT captain. And uh, that seventh day, it was just kind of a coin flip, you know, Hey, you want it or I want it. Well, I, I'll take this hour. You take that. Do you do overhead? No. Does he? No. Oh, well, that's good. So you guys can just trade <laughs> off that seventh day then. Paramedic. Yeah. <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. Are you still a card carrying member? I am still a card carrying paramedic. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm not being paid as a paramedic. I'm classified as just a, uh, just a fire captain or yeah. schedule a, yeah. I'm not a fire captain medic, but I still have that little blue card in my wallet. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, and another, um, quote, uh, if I may, that came out of this article was um, I, I don't even know who the, the, the person was, um, but it was a Cal Fire spokesman. And it said the growth in the amount spent on o- overtime compensation in Cal Fire is directly connected to incident activity and increased fire potential over the last decade. Terrible statement. Wow. I mean, you know, some of us aren't very happy with our current working conditions, but what we're really not happy with is dishonesty. Because you tell me that in winter, Schedule A, when my boys are on a 5-2, get the hell out of here. What yep. is that? That's, that's is a that, company line. But you know? is, is, this, is this a message? Or like are we, I feel like we're at odds. You know, I'm, I'm even, Kelly, you're, I'm wearing your shirt, the Cal Fire Firefighters in Crisis. You know, the messaging. And I think I kind of want to, if, if I may, just go into that, that. It feels like we're just at, you know, this messaging war right now where the department's like, no, this is all incident related. And we're like, no, we're working 40 and 50 days and we're not getting time off and we're getting paid shit. Well, 
we're put, you know, I, I get it. It's awareness and we need to make the policymakers aware of our working conditions, but also who's being made aware is the potential candidates. Like, why do you want to work for Cal Fire if we're painting this such a grim picture right now? But what is that? What's the answer? I don't know. You're, the, you're a PIO guy, aren't you? I am a PIO guy. But so this wasn't you. No, that you were, your, your quotes were before in the article. This is yes, a Cal Fire spokesman. Yes. So when, when I was in this article, I made sure that he prefaced that I was an officer of 2 at one <laughs> just so I didn't get in trouble with the department because right? yeah. I, I wasn't speaking the company line. I was speaking as a, as a person who's yeah. a union officer and, and just telling him how it is, you know, how our, how our guys are being treated and, and, and the burden that that's putting on us that we go to work and, we don't know if we're coming home. We don't know if we're going to be home on the fourth day. You know, what What other job can you think of in state service and federal service, what have you, where you go to work for your scheduled day, but you don't know when your schedule ends? Yeah. I mean, I it's, mean that's the line with my wife right now. It's like, hey, I'm going to work, fire season. I don't have vacation for a few weeks. I don't know. Right. I don't right. know. Right. It's could see in three days, could see in 30. So you know, that messaging, though, Tim, like, what do we, you know, I get it. It's the awareness. I, I totally get it. And, you know, contract negotiations, state budgets happening, like, we got to make them aware. But how do we bridge that divide? Well, I think what, how can I say this? I think what people, because I get called on this all the time. I'll use another example, and I'll come back to this one. Just recently, the state made a statement that they're fully staffed. For firefighting. I saw that. What the hell does that even well, mean? Right. Well, they're not lying. They're fully staffed at status quo. Right? This is what we need. This is our staffing. Like, they're not even like, fully staffed. I can show well, you vacancies on my schedule right well, here's, now. But here's like, <laughs> like blue book staffing. Like, what is that even like? Well, right. Exactly. But here's, here's. Fully funded, maybe. Ah. <laughs> here's what I think where the wordplay comes in between the department and us is we focus not only on our contracts and our B side, department responds mainly on the B side because the A side is all paid for by contracts and stuff like that. It does not come out of state funds. This guy's article in particularly, I try to focus a little more. I don't know if he asked you, Jordan, about it, that, you know, that focus on overtime as a whole. His original focus was just on the, the state cost, which mm -hmm. is the B side. So when the state says that a majority of that cost is because of fires, well, they're not lying. A majority of the B cost was because of fires. But they don't comment on where a lot of the forces are really occurring, and that is in our contracts. And the overtime that's be creating in those contracts, they, they fine dance that line of what they're saying, and they're only solely focusing on what the state is paying for. So when that guy says um, the majority of the overtime, he's not inaccurate in that sense of the word because on the B side, that's really what it was, right? Yeah. On the A side, we all know in our contracts, it's because nobody's freaking going home because they're staffed really poorly. And I like to bridge the comment by saying, well, we wouldn't even have that much overtime on the B side if the B side was staffed to where it needs to staffed and that's what we've been fighting for in yeah. the budget right well and that's how that guy was on for 40 days Firefighter right. yeah. one stuck yeah. yeah i just think we need to stop being asked like 21 days and you're out you know or something like that it should just be a hard line there needs to be a hard this line out like yeah. like oes our, our partners at oes our local government partners they have a rule where they can only work 14 days and then they have to be cycled out they can push it to 21 well, they can, it can extend yeah right but that takes like an act of congress from what i understand fc 
know, 193 form or whatever. I don't know what the form number is, but uh, we don't have that line. We don't have a hard and fast. We have, oh, well, you're supposed to be rotated out after three weeks. Well, no, supposed hey, to and hey, will. Are, hey, does anybody here want to go home? And looking around, looking around, and then the guy raises, oh, if, uh, all right, get him out of here. We don't want him anyways. Like, well, right. what the hell, man? Like, yeah, I want to go home. Right. But, but back to the messaging, you know, like you were saying, you know, we're, we're, here we are, like, again, like, roll, you know, rustling up the dust on this thing, but we're still not creating a good message as to why people want to come here in the first place. No. And you guys, you said something earlier. It's funny because you say you feel like you're fighting the same fights over and over and over yeah. again. I was reviewing some stuff back from like the early eighties and it was all about staffing shortages. Yeah. And it seems like we're fighting the same fight they were fighting in eighties. Cause all those staffing. guys are retiring now. Yeah. Well, and some of them have long gone and retired, but right. we're fighting the same messaging and staffing as a whole. Um, and it's about funding as a whole, but we, we are going to preach the message. This union is going to preach the message, which is factual that we are understaffed across the board. Yeah. Cal Fire is not staffed to meet today's needs in any way, shape, or form. We have one engine for basically, you know, 29, 9, 9 million acres per engine, basically, you know. Mm-hmm. That's, that's, wow. in a, that's impossible to even expect us to do the job that we need to do, let alone. And then with the bodies of 2.7, sharing a split body to make that three, which was the whole McGuire thing, is to get to the 3.1. Yeah just to have solid bodies. We need 3.9 just to even get to where we have a built-in relief, which is money, right? Right. And everything comes down to money, unfortunately. And, um, but we have to keep saying it and we have to keep bridging the gap between A and B because as you said earlier, we're all one patch and the department has to highlight even to our contracts, which I think they're the most afraid to do. It Um, is. Yeah. It's, it's tough. That's, that's the, trenches that him and I are in with the contracts, yeah. right? Because you're dealing with O two three five O at the state side, but the contracts, so you, so, I mean, 281, like your position, you're yeah. solely like getting the state legislators, budget, all that stuff. That doesn't trickle down to the Schedule A contracts. Not anything that we achieve at the state level. We have to work at the local level with our county counterparts, you know, to do that. We have to force them, you know, to, to get the staffing that we need. We need the department to hold them accountable to we need our own people not to be afraid to brown out stations. Yeah. That's, I, I found, I'll tell you guys, you guys talk about something, you know, I think you said earlier, why don't you brown out a station? I find that some of our own union officers are afraid to bring that subject up because they're afraid of what that means to the contract. But at the end of the day, if you don't show them you're broken, it's not going to get fixed. Right. Well, and I get it. I mean, it's you egos, know. right? Like we're problem solvers. Yeah. We want to solve a problem. We don't want to be part of the problem. Like I get that. But a five two, two days off. You drive three hours of work. Come on, bro. I know. We we have to we have to be comfortable saying close that station. We have to be able to do that. And if the contract gets mad, and I know, when I say this, you're gonna have a ton of members call me once they hear this. Like, oh, you're you hate contracts. I don't hate contracts. I came from you know, Riverside. I love the Riverside contract. But those contracts have to be able to sustain what we need. But you say like you know us fighting so. You know, I have been going to some of these these uh, fire protection district meetings for years and uh, trying to build that relationship, that, you know, facial recognition. But they don't, they've never had that. Well, I, I won't say I've never had that before. I can't speak completely for my predecessors, but it's something unique to them. Like, wait a minute, why is a union here? 
you know, and then I came out like it was a couple of years ago and I, you know, I rallied the troops and we're going to go to a meeting and we're going to tell them and all this stuff. And then I called Pete Manoa. I think they, uh, he may have told you that. And Pete gave me some really good advice. Like, you know, just you got to like long game. You got to really think this out and just go in and make it a big scene. What's that going to get you? And thankfully, you guys are up here to give us and me that experience because I didn't know anything when I first started. Um, and you know, the, man, that, um, that board president, he's, you know, I finally had a conversation with him afterwards. He's like, listen, Sean, I understand, you know, the chief says, you know, that, uh, the state hiring, you know, is slow and you guys got a lot of people out on injury and there's some FMLA and stuff like that. But that's why I contract with Cal fire. So I don't have to deal with the personnel side that that's them. And right. so, so then I'm like, okay, well, Hey chief, how about we just add like three or five more bodies to this next contract? And then guy says, well, why am I going to give you, why, why am I going to ask the boards for more bodies just to give you guys more time off? Whoa, 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 whoa. Time out. That's just that regular days. Yeah. Well, but regular days, bro. That's yeah. all I'm talking right. about, regular man. Days but it's such a freaking battle. Why does it have to be so hard? Like, why can't, it, 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 I get it. I mean, maybe some labor person in the past had left a bad taste in their mouth or whatever, but bro, we're all in it together, you know? So the messaging. I think. I'm, well, I think going back to what, what you were saying just a couple minutes ago, that it's that positions are dollars going from 3.1 to 3.9. That's all just dollars. I think something we need to focus on when we're talking dollars is the insured losses in the state of California to wildfire is yeah. how many billion dollars? Yeah, that was McGuire's big thing. Right, that was 13, really $13 billion, I think he said. Yeah. I don't know. It was crazy. How much does it cost for a firefighter? <laughs> Nowhere near $13 billion. Yeah. But then you have something like the campfire, right? You could have had a thousand engines on that ridge. You know, the fire is going to do what right. it's going to do, you know? Right. But Guys, we've been at this for almost an hour now. What do you say we uh, take a break? And Tim, when we come back, I want to get the members an update on bargaining. Bargaining. 